Hey there, welcome back to another episode of Does It Hold Up? I'm Adam, as always, here with Emily. Hi. And because we have a new movie coming out today called Minions, The Rise of Gru, we thought we would take a look back at what started it all for Illumination Entertainment, which is Despicable Me in 2010. What are your initial thoughts on this movie? I really enjoy this movie. Um, I think it, it does play that whole idea of a villain gone good in a, an interesting way where he had good things throughout, he had bad things throughout, and it just made a nice character study-ish? Not really, but still. <laughs> um, sure. So, I mean, that's great and all. Um... The, the movie's cute. It, it is what it is. Um, I don't think it's one of the best animated films I've ever seen, but it was fun when it came out. I remember actually seeing it in theaters when it first came out. I think my mom and I went together to see this one. I don't really remember. I can't really remember what I did yesterday, let alone 12 years ago. Um, but I remember I enjoyed it. And now looking back on it, I always thought the movie was like, oh, it was so much fun. Oh, so many good jokes, everything. But watching it again for this episode, there was just a lot of stuff that felt really off to me. So let's dive right in. Let's get started. Um, and as you guys know, it is Fun Fact Friday, meaning I'll be dropping in little fun things about the movie as we're going. But what I want to start with is the voice acting, because that's kind of the thing a lot of people remember about this movie, and Gru, our main character, is voiced by the one and only Steve Carell. What do you think? I thought he did a good job of making this character alive. That being said, that accent, though, <laughs> it was just so odd for the entire movie but it made the character unique made him real and he did a very good job with that i i didn't mind the accent like clearly he's not from america uh and they wanted to kind of leave it open as to where exactly he's from so he didn't put on like a certain accent he didn't put on a european accent or a canadian accent or a russian accent he kind of just did this amalgamation of a few different things i think it actually worked really well because he had such a unique looking style you kind of needed a voice to match that. Um, it's just crazy to think that Steve Carell, this this comedian who's been in, you know, wonderful films like Dan in Real Life and the terrible Evan Almighty and <laughs> Anchorman and Anchorman 2 and all this stuff is just like, I remember him as Gru. No matter what other films I've ever seen him in, every time I think of Steve Carell, I think of Gru because he made this character so memorable. Just so memorable. Yeah, I normally don't know actors' names. I'm really terrible about that. But in the middle of watching it again, I was like, wait, this is Steve Carell, right? Like, I, I remembered that it was Steve Carell doing that voice. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy to think that this is his defining role. This is the thing that he's going to be remembered for unless he pulls some magic out of the hat somewhere down the line. But so far, this is it. Um, 
But let's just run down the list and just give me your your very quick, like, 15-second thoughts on each of these people being in it. Because you'll be surprised at the amount of A-list actors or people who we might consider A-list now or very well-known are in this movie. So, let's go to the kids that grew adopts. Yeah. Margot, the oldest one, Miranda Cosgrove. Seriously? Yeah, known for, like, all the Nickelodeon shows and... I, w- I would not have known that was her. <laughs> yeah, she does a really great job. Um, and I watched a whole bunch of those shows. <laughs> <laughs> then we have Dana Geyer as Edith. Probably not a name you're going to recognize. Nope. <laughs> no, I knew it. This is actually, like, the only thing she's ever done. She's been the voice in all of the Spickable Me movies for Edith. And beyond that, uh, nothing. So, you know, a little interesting, but I think she nails this role. Oh, that she definitely girl does. girl with an attitude. Yeah. It's fantastic. Then you have Elsie Fisher as Agnes. Still don't know names. <laughs> but <laughs> you, she, she did amazing. That, that little kid, it just makes her so adorable. And you just love her. You might not know you, you might not know the name right off the bat, but she was in the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre in 2022. She was a voice in the Adams Family, the animated ones that just came out. She was the lead role in the movie Eighth Grade, which oh. was a big festival movie back in 2018. Yeah. She was in McFarland, USA. She did voices for Sophia the First. She was on Raising Hope. She's in that new TV show Barry, like. She's put together a nice little resume. Interesting. Uh, But here's where we really get into the names that you're going to be shocked by. Who plays Vector? Vector's Gru's competition. They go against each other the whole time. It's Jason Segel. (laughs) Seriously? Yeah. Like, (laughs) when I I found out it was Jason Segel, you can really hear it in, in the actor, in the voice of that character, but it blew my mind when I first found out because every time I think of Jason Siegel, I think of How I Met Your Mother, <laughs> and I can't think of him doing anything else. That or maybe forgetting Sarah Marshall. But to know he did the voice of Vector and is just wonderful at it blows my mind. I mean, he adds that little, like, weaselly quality to that character that just, you love to hate him and, like, ugh. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Jason Siegel in real life's like, seven foot tall. I mean, he's, yeah. like, six four. And then or whatever. he's playing this nerdy little kid. Yeah, <laughs> and somehow he just, like, pulls it off. I'm not really sure how exactly that works. I didn't think his voice could do that. <laughs> right? Um, and then you have, for Dr. Nefario, who's Gru's little assistant, he makes all the gadgets and kind mm. of controls all the minions, is Russell Brand, who I'm not a huge fan of, except for in this role. I don't think he's really all that funny in his comedy. I don't think he's really that great of a person from the things I've heard. But, you know, he made a name for himself marrying Katy Perry. Yeah. And yet people should know him from this instead. Yeah, it's surprising you can play, pay, play off that, like, elderly man role as well as he does. <laughs> Which is insane because he was probably only, like, 30 at the time. So, just wonderful. Um, Gru's mom, who we don't get a lot of in this movie, probably could have brought her in even more. With that eh segment the look my i built a rocket ship eh. Eh. <laughs> perfect do you know who does that little eh no julie andrews seriously julie freaking <laughs> andrews like the sweetest person of all time eh. Gru's mom. <laughs> Meh. Eh. 
Like, it just blows my mind. Like, how do you get Dame Julie Andrews to come in and record these ridiculous lines for a little weird kids movie that Putting they had no a, idea was going to be good? little accent yeah. to match Gruz, yeah. Just wonderful. Um, then Mr. Perkins, who is the big bank owner that Gru has to, you know, go to the bank to get money to yeah. do his schemes. And we come across Mr. Perkins. He's this big, huge, hawking guy with this little itty-bitty hair sticking up. <laughs> um, once, you, once you find out, you can definitely hear it. But it's the precursor to Lego Batman for this guy. What? It's Will Arnett. No way. Yeah. Will no Arnett. No way. Mr. Perkins. Oh my god, I can hear I can't think about it now. <laughs> yeah, when you go watch this, you you hear it and he gets this little grumble and you're like, hmm, kinda sounds like a little Lego Batman-ish. And then you realize cause it is. Yeah, but it's still so distinct. It's not like a copy paste onto the Lego Batman movie. Like, he adds a little more gravitas to it. Like a little bit. So- something, like, um, maybe for the weight of the guy that he's playing. Well, actually, f- first fun fact of the episode, Will Arnett, now, this isn't a very big role in Despicable Me. He's in a few scenes, got fun, some fun lines, not a huge role. But he actually gained weight. He gained about 20 to 25 pounds of weight because the character was a big guy. He thought it would help with his vocal performance. So he went and purposely gained weight to have a deeper, bigger voice to play a bigger character. Not on screen. I think his voice is deep enough. Yeah. I mean, considering... Commitment. Batman, but like... Commitment. He just went for it. Sure. Sure. All right. I'm just going to rattle off these last few. Um, So we get Miss Hattie, who owns the orphanage. That's Kristen Wiig. What? Who actually comes back for Despicable Me 2 to play Lucy, Gru's love interest. So I'm not sure how that works out. Um, Then we have (laughs) Pierre Coffin and Chris Reynaud, who are actually the directors of Despicable Me. They're the voice of the minions. Just two Um, people? Just two people doing it. (laughs) It's why they actually sound French and English a little bit. Like, they have a weird little accent going on because it's the two of them kind of mingling together. Oh. Um, then we have Jermaine Clement, Jack McBriar, who you know from Wreck-It Ralph as Fix-It Felix. You have Danny McBride. Yeah. Danny McBride, who just is crushing it with Eastbound and Down. And then he had... Uh, he was the creator of the new Halloween movies that everybody loves. You have Mindy Kaling in a very small role in the opening. And you have Ken Jeong just dropping a voice in there as well. Like, those are all huge names to come in for these itty-bitty parts in Despicable Me. But, speaking of Mindy Kaling, let's talk about the opening of the film. So, the very opening, we get this tourist family getting off a bus at the pyramid, and the little kid doesn't seem to know what's going on. He's running around with his little airplane, and he totally crosses boundaries, and he climbs up a thing, and the guards are trying to get him. He falls into the pyramid and oh no he's gonna get hurt ah! and the pyramid's just a, a balloon a large blow up thing because the pyramid's been stolen i think it's one of the best openings in a movie because it completely sets you up for everything that's coming next yeah it definitely shows like it's gonna be kind of satirical on society as a whole with the whole uh, oh, American tourists are so awful. Yeah. and But it also shows how goofy it's going to be with having this giant pyramid just being a blow-up balloon. 
Like it, it, it right, like it's a balloon. How do you not know it's a balloon? People have to touch this every day. Like, like how, how do you how do you steal the pyramid and replace it with a balloon and no one knows? Exactly. Um, but like everybody talks about up, you know. Maybe we'll get to up one day somewhere far down the line. But everybody talks about that opening sequence in Up, that 15 minutes of Ellie and Carl growing up, and it's it is one of the best openings ever. This one, it's much shorter, it's much more condensed, but going from that part of it to Gru freezing everybody in line to get coffee, and the way he drives, and all of it, this is one of my favorite openings for an animated movie, because it 100% punches you in the face with, this is how this movie's going to be. It's going to be ridiculous, heartfelt, but really funny at the same time. Yeah, it did a very good job uh, bringing us into this world of villains that are getting these huge feats done and then showing us Gru and he's doing all these little villainous things and just enjoying himself while doing it. And it just introduced the world and the character so thoroughly that you knew where you were going from then on out with those with that uh, story. Absolutely, absolutely. So continuing the story, we get... Gru is an evil guy. He wants to be the best villain, best bad guy in the world. And he's got a really big plan, and it's to steal the moon. And how's he going to do it? He's going to do it with Russell Brand's Dr. Nefario helping out. But he's also going to do it with the help of his minions. Here's where my first problem with this movie comes in. Is the minions are not as annoying as you would think in this movie but they're still really annoying and established a a creature character whatever that's just mind numbingly stupid and i cannot look past them see now i have to disagree with you here because this is a kids movie and i thought it added just enough of levity and like crazy goofiness that would keep a kid involved. Now, do they get kind of too much later on in future films? Yes. I mean, come on, we have Minions movies that are just, you feel like you're smashing your head against the wall watching them. But I thought in this movie they played a good part in being comedy, like uh, the comic relief, but also showing kind of a human side to Gru in the way that he is, these are his, his Minions, these are his employees, and they have a really good, like, life there. They're doing, like, Pilates. They they have, you know, water cooler talks. Like, yeah, the safety's not great, but that's to add to the comedy. But, like, he knows them all by name, which I think was a really good way of showing Gru as very, like, humanized and, uh, like, that little hint of goodness in him at the beginning. Yeah, okay, okay, fine, 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 fine. I'll, I'll relent a little bit here. The minions serve the purpose in telling us who Gru is. Because it is. It's really cute when he's, like, calling them by name. Dave. Dave, (laughs) put that down. Don't do that. Larry, he he knows these minions, which shows that he can care about things, which sets up his arc throughout this entire movie. And the minions do play off of Dr. Nefario well, and they kind of help create situations to further the story. But the way they talk... And the way they move, it and the way they act, it's just yeah. grating. As a child, fantastic. 
as an adult rewatching it, I wanted to throw my remote through the television. Yeah, but if this movie was made today, I think they still work. I mean, they're still making Minions movies, so obviously they still work. People's <laughs> still going to go see them. The first Minions movie was a billion-dollar earner. So yeah. I get it. Just, they bother me. They, I just mostly... think they had a, a, a not too much runtime, but just enough that they were endearing. They had too much runtime. Without going just so, so nutso that I wanted to punch people. No, they had way too much uh, screen time. In my opinion, they had decent screen time where they made their points. And it was... No, I get it. I get it. That holds up. trying to defend them. Don't do it. You you can't do it. In this movie, the only one of the Despicable Me and Minions movies that had a decent amount of Minion time. They still had too much. They didn't even focus on them and they still had too much time. Maybe you're just a Minionist. (laughs) I am a Minionist. No. Minions are annoying, and I can't stand them. I couldn't stand them 10, 12 years ago, and I can't stand them today. Um, I think they work. <laughs> <laughs> sure, but mostly what gets me about them is the way they talk. It is the most annoying thing in the world, but there's a reason, and it's because they're dumb, and the directors didn't really know how to get them to talk because originally they were supposed to be more humanoid Mm -hmm. so they were actually going to be able to have speech and stuff like that when they changed it to genetically engineered corn kernels (laughs) that's exactly what they look like no it's it's actually what they (laughs) are that's what they're supposed to be (laughs) it's been confirmed that that's what they are they're genetically engineered corn kernels that grew engineered himself I don't get it that is totally retconned yeah, in the later but, movies, but yeah. Yeah, and the fan theory is that the, the whole Minions movie is actually propaganda by Gru. Oh. Yeah, I don't want to get into it. It's a whole big thing. I went down a really long rabbit hole on Reddit learning about this stuff. That sounds I like a fun rabbit hole. never want to go down again. <laughs> you put a lot of effort into the Minions for yeah, not liking uh, them. Correct. <laughs> um, so they were supposed to be human, but they ended up being corn kernels. So they were supposed to talk, so in the actual scripts, they have real words that they're supposed to be saying, but they couldn't just say real words because it wouldn't work for the characters, so the directors themselves created an entire language called Minionese, so every time they make a little weird noise, it's an actual word in the script. And I hate that. (laughs) I hate that That is such a level of detail that... Like, you either have like... them talk or have them not talk. Yeah. I always was under the impression that they were saying, like, bad things. So they had to have a different language. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, it would make the movie slightly better. That, that was always, like, my thought was they're just saying either, like, really inappropriate things or really, like, nasty things. And so they had to, like, almost bleep it out with these weird words. Yeah, I, I, sure. (laughs) In your head, they're saying whatever you want them to say. Um, I would love to see the script and know what they were actually supposed to be saying at moments because it might improve the overall movie. Yeah, where's the cut with the subtitles? Where's the Minions cut? I need the Minions cut with the actual Minions talking. That's what I need. Hashtag Minions cut. Um, (laughs) It worked for Zack Snyder. Maybe it can work here. So... The minions are, are, are a very unique looking character. 
but so is the rest of the movie. The animation style in this is like that. Clearly, they look human, but everything's exaggerated. Yeah, like Gru's nose. Gru's nose, Gru's body, Gru's legs. It's all exaggerated. But what works for me in this movie is it's such a different art style than everything else that was happening at the time. It's so far removed from the Disney Pixar style, which was king of the box office, that it feels unique and it feels special. Like, I like looking at it. And that sounds really stupid. Like, oh, you like looking at a movie? Duh. But, like, I really enjoy the differences and how they went about making this art style. Yeah, it it was very cohesive, too, uh, throughout the world, which made it very, like, it can be made at any time. And you'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's new. I mean, it, it's not quite as polished as movies are today, even well, in that obviously. same franchise. Yeah. Uh, like but, we said last week with Toy Story, it's it's graphics get better animation style gets better of course things aren't going to look as real or as polished now or you know back then as they do now but it still looked really good oh yeah the whole idea with that was unlike in toy story where you had the very fine detail of the toy and the very odd looking human uh this was very um consistent throughout and it made the universe feel very cohesive it did it, it it did and that's actually like probably my favorite thing about the movie is its art style um so you know it, for me that aspect of it 100 percent holds up but you know we're we're getting to the rest of it and so far it's not looking good um <laughs> what another thing i i really remember from this movie or that i think works well is it's you know, we kind of already touched upon it with Gru's arc and how he knows the minions' names and everything, and how he, he kind of takes to the girls right away after he adopts them so that he can steal the shrink ray from Vector. Um, it's just got a good heart to it. Yeah. There's such little moments in the movie that you're just like, that was cute. That's a character moment. That's nice. It's just, it's all there. Like going to get Agnes another unicorn before, you know, her, she, Agnes is the littlest girl and she carries around this little unicorn doll. And when they first go to Gru's, everything's kind of going haywire and her little unicorn gets hit with a, a, a death ray, disintegration ray yeah. and disintegrates. So they have to go get a new one. So the minions, he calls three minions and he sends them to the store to get a new one. Clearly they're idiots and they have no idea what they're doing. So they don't get one. But they come home with what appears to be a toilet brush yep. with a ping pong ball strapped to it to make the nose and a ice cream cone horn. thing to yeah. make the horn with googly eyes. And they call it a unicorn. It is adorable. And Agnes immediately just takes it, kisses the minions on the top of the head, and snuggles with it to go to bed. And you're like, that could have been the end of it. That was a great, sweet moment. Could have been the end. But then, a little bit later on in the movie, they have to go to a, a theme park. And they're playing a game where you can win a giant stuffed unicorn. And, oh, cool, she'll get this one, blah, 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 whatever. They play and they play and they play. Gru's not happy about it. And then they finally win. Or do they? They hit the thing that they're supposed to hit, but they don't win. Because carnivals are all rigged. We all know they're rigged. It's impossible to win. 
But then Gru has this little moment of heart and caring. Uh-oh. That's not for him. He whips out this huge ray gun and just blows up the entire stand for the most part. And then just takes the unicorn. Great moment. It was like, we already got a cute moment with the unicorn that showed heart between the girls and the minions. And then we get to see it again with Gru and the girls. Well, one thing, too, with that scene moving forward is little Agnes being like, let's go blow up another one. It's showing how they're kind of all combining together and becoming like a family unit. And I thought that was super cute. Yeah, absolutely. But And it was like little moments like that that just work so well in this movie. You know, and then he reads them the little bedtime story about the three kitties, brushes their hair. That's where this movie actually works is when they're being nice it's when they're trying to be overly funny and comedic that it falls apart because i don't think the comedy in this movie works very well i think it's and i know it's made for kids but what other companies what other animation studios are doing are making child movies with some adult humor in it so obviously when you take your kids or your little brothers and sisters or whoever you get to laugh as well at the good stuff while the kids are laughing at the fart jokes. I will admit this movie had a lot of little kid humor. I don't remember hearing any adult humor where I chuckled going, <laughs> the kids won't get that one, but it's for me. That's funny. Yeah, and that's where this movie misses. Head. It just doesn't have the right comedy. It's like they wanted to make a purely kids movie but those don't play well. They especially don't hold up well. Because the kids who grew up with that movie don't like it anymore as an adult. And the kids now watching it, some of the humor humor changes over time. So these jokes don't play the same way to kids nowadays as they did 12 years ago. So that's where this movie loses me a lot of points. What do you think? I think it's still a fun movie for kids. And I, I, yeah, I don't laugh as much at it now as I probably did then. But I honestly think it still would play well with kids if it came out today. And parents would go along just because, you know, my kid wants to see the Minion movie. <laughs> because I mean, even even when it first came out and there was no other movies, it was the Minion movie. Uh, no. No. <laughs> We've already discussed this. No. Just no. <laughs> um, something else that stands out in this movie is time has zero meaning. And w what I mean by that is like, he the pyramid gets stolen at the beginning, then Gru goes to get a loan, he has to get the sh shrink ray he has to steal the shrink ray so that he can shrink the moon so he can capture the moon but vector steals the shrink shrink ray from him <coughs> excuse me vector steals the shrink ray from him but then buys cookies from the little girls so Gru decides to adopt the little girls so that he can get into vector's house to get the shrink ray back but he has to do all these little things with them in the meantime while they're waiting to deliver the cookies that Vector ordered, then he gives the kids back, then he goes about doing his scheme, then he gets the girls back. 
that's a lot of little things. And I'm pretty sure it only happens over the course of like two days. Oh, it's a lot longer than that. There's no way. Yeah, I mean, you can't have him trying to scale Vector's wall like I mean, that was all in one day. How do you know it's all in one day? Well, the movie didn't tell me otherwise. It was the same scene. He was just doing different things. The sun was in the same position. The lighting was the same. I know it's an animated movie, Uh but you got to draw it a little different. Was one at sunset? Was one at sunrise? Was one at high noon? Was one? How come he never tried to break in at night? It was all happening in like 30 seconds in the same day. I just think, I mean, we do get a few shots of a calendar showing time progression. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think... Still doesn't make sense. You're being hypercritical on it because it is a kid's movie and... Because then they go to one dance recital or one dance class. Yeah. And Agnes hands him a ticket of here's our dance recital coming up. I understand that they were probably taking dance classes while they are at the orphanage. But that's also hard to believe because Miss Hattie was that typical evil orphanage owner. There's no way she's letting these kids take dance classes. So how are they even in a dance class? Interesting that you bring up Miss Hattie like that because I thought that was a huge thing that didn't work in the film. Is like, why do you always have to make them so evil? Like, I So get... evil, but clearly not evil enough because they take dance classes. Yeah, but they also have a box of shame if you don't sell enough cookies. They also have to... They also have to sell cookies. I'm not even sure why an orphanage has to sell cookies or where they're getting these cookies to sell. Because it's very uh, Girl Scouty, but not with the Girl Scouts. So it just that whole bit didn't work for me with Miss Hattie. And... Yeah, it doesn't work for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that goes to the time thing again. Go back to the time thing. I'm, I'm stuck on the time. I want to talk about the time thing in this movie. A lot of animated movies will show progression of time clearly, or at least give you an understanding of of, of where we're at, how long it's been. Did Gru have these girls for seven months before cookies came? Did he have them for a day before cookies came? What happened? How do we get there? Because building a rocket and flying to the moon to shrink it is more than a day. Not an animated world. It should be. (laughs) But you, you say that, but there's a lot of live-action movies that have... Uh, and I have a problem with those, too. ...showing time progression. But I, you are made to assume that it is a couple weeks. And that is based on, like, the calendar shots and just all the things that they get to do together. There's too many montages in this movie for it to not have taken... So we should just call it the Montage the Movie? So that we can understand time? You're just so brought up on the time i am here. it just it it seems all so quick and so slow all at the same time and i'm not even sure how that works but it works no it doesn't <laughs> um all right busting in with a fun fact here uh something that is working in the movies is little details like if you ever pay attention really closely when Gru is trying to break into vector's house which we just mentioned when talking about time the Great Pyramid's in his backyard. Yeah, it's... It's painted, it's like, painted the sky, like the sky with the clouds. Yeah. That's just funny. <laughs> I'd never noticed it before, and then I saw it, and I was like... <laughs> it would never make sense on a cloudy day, but, you no, know. No, it would never make sense on a clear day. <laughs> with random clouds painted yeah. on it. What happens at night? Yeah. This movie makes no sense. No. At all. See, time. Day, night, the pyramid doesn't work. It all relates back to the time not making sense. I think that's just Vector being stupid. Well, Vector's <laughs> definitely an idiot. 
but you know, he's the bank manager's son. A clever idiot, but an idiot. But he's the bank manager's son, so he's got to do something, right? Sure. That's the whole, that's the whole point of this. He has to do something. Um, so let's talk about the ending of the movie, because I think it's one of the stronger parts of this. I really like the opening sequence of this movie. I really don't care for a lot of what happens in the middle. But then I really like the ending. Because in most of these, Gru would have to choose between the moon and the girls. And this movie is like, nah, screw that. He's going to do both. He's going to get the moon and the girls. And I just think that's really different. You know, he, he didn't have to just go for the girls and now he's 100% good. He still attempts to get the moon. He realizes he loves the girls and wants to get them as well. But might as well take the moon while I'm here. <laughs> and just kind of finish his scheme so he gets the chance to fulfill his dream of getting the moon. But then he still gets to have the girls as well. How'd that work for you? The ending doesn't work so much for me simply because of the science of it. And I know it's a kid's movie, but you leave that moon way too close to the earth and everyone will die. It's it's but, it's the size of a marble now. It's fine. Oh it's no. shrunk. It's little. It doesn't oh, matter. Oh no. When it gets big, oh, it's I a know, Bruce Almighty I know, moon. I know. When it gets big, it's I terrible. know we have Steve Carell in this movie, but we didn't need another Bruce Almighty moon. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's fair. Um, so I, I like the idea. I like that he, he did get the moon and he was coming back for the girls. That, that whole self-conscious thing... Um, came up and, and it, i like that the girls deal. wanted him still even yeah. after he gave them back because they had developed a, a relationship there and i appreciate that he was willing to give up the moon like he had the moon he had everything that he wanted but he was willing to give up the moon for the safety of his girls obviously and it was a nice uh kind of turning point for him of you know what is more important to me the villainy or these girls that i've come to love and it, obviously, you chose the girls. You still wasn't, you know, a hero. You were still a villain because you still stole the moon. Um, but well, like you just said, he killed half the planet, so he's definitely a villain. I mean, technically, Vector did. Mm, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, Vector didn't a, steal the moon, though. It's a it's a bit of column A, column B, because uh, yeah, stealing the moon would kill a lot of people too. Just and then in making general. it that big would would kill the other half. Yeah. So. Cartoon physics, you know? Woohoo! Cartoons. Um, you know, suspension of disbelief. they left Vic Vector on the moon, though. <laughs> yeah, I that was a little shocking to me. Um, that might have been the most evil thing that happened in this entire movie. It was just, ah, oh, I'll strand this kid on the moon. It's fine. <laughs> Besides having a minion just float in space. Yeah, but they're minions. Who cares? They're, they're popcorn. He'll get close to the sun. He'll be fine. He'll pop. Everybody will enjoy it. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um... So, yeah, the, the ending for me works really well. I just wish the the middle third was stronger. See, I enjoyed the getting to become a family montage. I've seen it done better in a lot of different movies. Yeah, but I just thought this one worked well. And it started really with that whole trip to the the theme park where he, he does this nice thing for the girls and they kind of go like say hey let's blow up this next yeah, one but that's and agnes was... agnes has been on his side since day one all she ever wanted was to be adopted she could have been adopted by the manson family she didn't <laughs> care she just wanted a family 
what I'm saying is, is that whole montage made you really feel for this group of people really wanted them to become a family and you were watching them become a family. So I thought it worked well. And I did not. I didn't like the fast way of them becoming a family. I don't think a lot of what they did was earned. You know, we, we, we talk about that when we just discuss movies outside of the podcast. We always talk about things happening in movies and if they're earned or not. You know, a lot of like... I love rom-coms. My favorite genre of filmmaking is rom-coms. Weirdest thing in the world, but I love them. And we constantly discuss whether that love is earned or not. Did you actually show me enough in the movie or give me enough for it to be earned? This movie didn't do it with this sort of love, with this father-daughter love. It didn't do it for I me. think it did with Margot. And that was the major How? one that... <laughs> it was literally see her being able to see that he cares for her sisters, showing that love, and especially the bit at the end... Where she has to literally jump to his arms. Yeah, we're not it's talking about the ending. Trust. I'm talking about how they got to that point. We don't see it was anything. It's the little things. We you literally watch her in the movie. No, they and you blow up a they, they blow up a carnival stand together, and then all of a sudden they're a happy family. He he reads them a book. There's two things, and neither one of them is great. And montage. Sure, but that's like, I there just wasn't enough for me. I mean, that's, that's, that's fair. There wasn't enough for you, but there, there was there for me. There wasn't enough, period. There was for me. No, you're lying. I, you're kidding yourself. I watched it. You want to love this movie, but you just can't. You can't but bring can. yourself to do it. No, you can't. Yeah. No. I don't want to. No, we'll go back and forth all day. You want to love this movie. I know all of the listeners think they love this movie, but they don't actually love this movie. You know what they love? Minions. And they suck. So... See, my favorite part about this movie is the family di- dynamic that has grown throughout the film. I saw it. Maybe I was reading more into it than you were. Maybe. Maybe you were. I need more of Gru just freezing people to get coffee. I mean, that's fair. That, that was a fun I part. needed him to be more evil. I needed him to be more evil and then have a bigger arc. Yes, he had an arc. He, he had nice qualities, but I needed more. I needed something bigger. He's not even the one who stole the pyramid. So really, we barely ever see him do anything evil or villainous the entire movie, except for the stuff we all want to do every single day, as in, <laughs> I'm trying to parallel park, just hit the cars around me. I'm going to fly past this person. Well, I want to cut in line. He doesn't do anything crazy. No, and we're made to understand that because he's supposed to be such a lousy villain, and that's why he's able to, like, change and be I mean, a he good stole- guy. He stole the, the Jumbotron. Jumbotron from Times Square. So he's not that lousy. That's just a lousy scheme. Just then the bank teller was not teller, but the bank guy um, literally says, I like this whole plan, but you. So we're made to well, that's believe just he he's just kid. a bad nah, He just wanted his kid there. He wanted his kid to do that because it was such a good plan. But if Gru has such good plans, why is he, and where does Gru get the money? I know he goes to the bank and he gets loans, but he built an entire lair under his house and builds rockets and all that stuff. And how does he pay back the bank? Where does this money come from? Well, I mean, clearly he had done things in the past. Like... Sure, but how do you get the money? Did he did he blackmail the world? Could you could also ransom some of the things he stole? 
like the Jumbotron, the... I don't know, if you uh, look around his house throughout the movie, I'm pretty sure he keeps everything. He's got a lot of, like, the Starry Night is in there, just leaning up against the wall in one scene. He doesn't seem to sell things or, or give them away. He likes to keep a lot of his stuff. So, I don't know. I know, cartoons, suspension of disbelief. Uh-huh. This movie just completely <laughs> takes me out. Every time I watch it, I was bored. So, you know, we're going to go to final verdicts here in, in the next couple of seconds. I think you guys clearly understand where my final verdict is going to land. But let's go to you first. Final wrap-up thoughts and tell me, does it hold up? In my opinion, I think if this movie was made today, it would still be uh, considered good. Maybe not great, but definitely not bad. I think it holds up more than you think it does. I think it would be lost in a sea of better animation if it was if it came out today. Final, final, final verdict. Despicable Me, 2010. Does it hold up? For me, yes. All right. Well, there you have it. One person says it does hold up. I am going the complete opposite way. I think if this movie was made today, it just gets lost. It probably goes straight to streaming. This movie is up there with Hotel Transylvania for me, where it's just a, a movie that came out is kind of forgettable. There's certain parts to it you'll remember, but overall... I will watch a thousand different movies before I ever watch Despicable Me again. So, for me, it does not hold up. Uh, at all. That's it. I guess we'll have to leave it up to the viewers. Yeah. So, <laughs> listeners. You can, uh, yeah, they're not viewers. Uh, you can follow us over on Twitter at DoesItHoldUp13. That's 1-3. Um, and let us know if Despicable Me holds up for you or not. Or, you know, give us some suggestions on future movies that you want to see us go back and forth on um you know if you listen to us on spotify follow we're also available on google podcasts and apple podcasts so give us a listen and uh we'll see you guys all next week not sure what's coming out but we got something good lined up until then keep watching movies bye